You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. God, we humble ourselves before you and we just thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I'm so grateful that your mercies are new every morning. We worship you, Lord. We give you thanks with our breath. We give you thanks. With our breath, we worship you and we acknowledge that you are God. We are in this crazy world, Lord, right now where everything is just so mixed up, God. Love and hate and protest and politics and so much stuff, God, a virus. And Lord, we cry out to you. We humble ourselves. We seek your face, God. We turn from our wicked ways. We ask you to heal our land, God. Do your thing, God. I pray, Lord, for every soul that is, that is uh, here in person and every soul that will be watching this service online. I pray that every soul has an encounter with you, Jesus. Our days are in your hands, God. They always have been. We give you our worries. We give you our problems, our life, God. May you be pleased as you see us and watch us as we lean on you and trust you, even in times of uncertainty. Take a hold of me, God. Put your words in my mouth. Holy Spirit, fill me. Anoint this message, God. And give God permission right where you're at. Just say, God, speak to me. Go deep right now, God. Well, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, it's good to be at church. I, I, was, I was all the way back. I'm, I'm getting lost in worship, guys, and I was getting ready to come up, and I realized I don't have my headset on. I don't have, like, oh, my word. So I had to run back to the back to go, to go get it and that kind of thing. Hey, uh, we're in this series called Do Not Fear, and, you know, apparently God feels like we have this tendency to fear because fear is talked about, or this commandment is talked about over 365 times in the Bible. So apparently God knows we can't fear. That's just who we are. That's our human nature. And today's title is One Reason Why You'll Have Enough. Um, this, uh, uh, or a few weeks ago, no, it was probably a couple of months ago, my dog, Caddy, who uh, I think he knows Jesus, but I know he's not filled with the Spirit. I'll just put it that way. Uh, my dog, Caddy, who was part border collie and part blue healer, um, I, we were feeding him. Is like this, at night, there's this one treat that he loves. I mean, he really, really loves. And right around 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, um, my family will tell you, he'll go to our refrigerator right in front of our refrigerator and sit down and start, like, whimpering. You know, it's disgusting. And he'll, he'll start doing that, just whimp right, I mean, literally at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, that's where he goes, and he just sits there. And this is the time when he is the best dog ever. He will do any trick you want him to do. You, you know, some of you have seen him, at the, and that's his best. Well, we gave him food one time, and, and or, or his treat, got it, we get it out of the freezer because it's frozen. So we, we gave it to him, and he goes to his one spot, and he lies down, and, and, and we're just like, oh, cute dog. And I decided to reach down, and, and, and and, uh, and like pet him during the time. And I went, my hand went a little low. And right when I did that, I heard the growl. 
I heard the growl. And at that moment, I'm just telling you, I, I, was, I, I was about ready to grab him and throw him against the wall. I was like, this is not cool. And my first thought is he has no idea who is the provider. <laughs> He has no idea where that came from. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't very pastor-like. After that moment, I stopped buying him treats for like two months. And, and both Josiah and Hannah would say, Dad, are you still like harboring bitterness and resentment in your heart? I said, yes, I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> yes, I don't want to give the dog any more treats. And he's like, Dad, he was having a bad day. He's like, I don't care. I don't care. Any providers in the house, you know, parents, you know what I'm talking about with your kids when your kids don't want to share French fries with you or something like that. And you're like, you have no idea who paid for your underwear. You have no idea everything it has cost me to, to provide for. You have no idea. Do you know who is your provider? Some of you might think it's Amazon. It's not. It's not Amazon. Some of you might think it's King Supers or some grocery store or Costco. It's not. Some of you might think it's a boss or a job. It's not. Do you know who your provider is? Here's the deal. You will worship your provider. Whoever it is, whatever you think it is, you will worship your provider. Do you think your provider is nervous during a pandemic? No way. God is creative. God does whatever he wants to do. He's not nervous. He's not fearful of a pandemic. He is God. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing that rattles him. He just wants you to continue to trust him, even in the midst of a pandemic. And if you're watching online, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I want to encourage you to stay tuned in. Stay tuned in. I know how easy it is to click on another tab while you're watching this video, but I want to encourage you to stay tuned in. So in Genesis chapter 22, this is the first time you read in scripture when, when God is referred to as a provider. And it's a title that Abraham gives him. It's a, it's a famous story of, of God asking Abraham to offer his only son, Isaac, to him. And it's a crazy story, but Abraham is faithful. Actually, and he goes up to this mountain and he's taking his son. And right before he, he slays his son, God intervenes and says, no, 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 no. Uh, here's a ram over here caught in the thicket. You go ahead and sacrifice that ram. And, and verse 14, says this, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Let's say that out loud, guys. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, what's interesting about this story, incidentally, uh, Jehovah Jireh means Jehovah will provide. God will provide. And, and the verb here literally means to see or to see a thing. In fact, the word provision, if you break it up, pro means before and vision means to see. So literally provision means this, to see beforehand. And you get this feeling. 
When you look at Abraham and he's taking his son up to this mountain, it doesn't make any sense to him why this loving God would ask his, for his son. doesn't make any sense at all. But when he's up at that mountain, he has this, this crazy new perspective of God that God is the one who provides and God is the one that sees ahead. He provides before to see, to see before him. Hear this. God has a present love for you that sees you today and into your future. God sees things you can't see. He is preparing for needs that you don't know you will have. Glory to God. Can I get an amen from someone? Don't make me do all the work now, church. I want to share a story with you. And I wanted to start off with Abraham because he's the father of faith. And he's the one that gives this title to God, the Lord provides. Yahweh provides. He's the one who did this. But the story I want to share with you is involving three people, these three characters in the Bible. And you read about them in, in 1 Kings. And, and the, the backdrop behind these three characters are this. Um, you have this famous prophet named Elisha. And Elijah is this guy that God just uses to do crazy, stupid, miraculous stuff. Stuff that doesn't make any sense. If there is a superhero in the Bible, that's this guy, Elijah. That's who it is. His name means Yahweh is my God. That's what his name means. Now, he comes on the scene when there is this evil king. Anybody know what this evil king, what his name is? Ahab. He is an evil king. In fact, scripture says there's no king like him that has done so many evil things. He's done horrible things. And he, he topped it off by he married a woman even more evil than him. Anybody know her name? Jezebel. Don't ever name your kid Ahab or Jezebel. Maybe a dog, but never Ahab or Jezebel. Don't ever do that. So Ahab and Jezebel are quite a couple. And Ahab is driven by, no, no doubt, Satan himself. And Jezebel is right there behind, speaking over his shoulder. So he, Ahab has led Israel, this is the northern kingdom, has led Israel to sin over and over. And God finally said, enough. I'm going to use my prophet, and I'm going to turn back Israel to me. So that's the story. So we're going to, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. Here's Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. This is the guy. This is the guy right here that, that God uses and God speaks and says, okay, we're going we're gonna to knock Ahab off. So chapter 17, verse 1 says this. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives... The God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, this is a crucial time. Now, think about Elijah. God uses Elijah, and he goes and he tells Ahab, listen, there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any water on the front lawn when you wake up in the morning. No dew. There's not going to be any mist. There's not going to be any rain for a while. James says it was three and a half years. It's a crucial time. So verse 2 says this, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring, to you, bring you. For I have commanded them 
to bring you food. So this is where it gets really crazy. Now we're talking about birds coming and ravens, and they're talking about a brook and this kind of thing. But I want to say something else. I want you to notice this. The righteous sometimes, at times, they also suffer the consequences of the unrighteous. Sometimes. Elijah is caught up in this famine. It's a famine. It's a drought. There's no rain. And God doesn't take him out of that. It's like the righteous being in a pandemic. It's like the righteous going to the grocery store and there's nothing on the shelves, just like all the other ones. And it's like the righteous are right along with it. And here scripture says, God tells him, look, drink from the brook. The, the, the charis, it's what he, that's what he calls it, the, the brook. And I've commanded you, the ravens, to bring food. Verse 5 says, so Elijah said, did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth brook. Say Kareth with me out loud. Kareth, east of the Jordan. The word Kareth means this, to cut away, to cut up, or to cut off. And when you look at this, that's the Hebrew root meaning. This shows that God had some cutting to do in the life of Elijah during this period. We don't know everything that happened. We don't know everything that happened, but sometimes God will take us to remote places so that he could cut things out of our life. Sometimes God allows you to go to that place of loneliness because God wants you to turn to him. Sometimes God allows you to go to that place of desperation because God wants you to cry out to him in a way that you've never cried out to him before. Sometimes God will allow that relationship to happen and he'll allow that hurt to happen because he wants you to know there's no one faithful like him. So sometimes God allows you to go through a disappointment because he wants you to trust him. He wants you to know that you can always count on him, whatever it is. Sometimes God allows you to go to that remote place and get you alone because he has some cutting to do in your life. Maybe it's your pride or maybe it's your ego or whatever it is. There's something in you that needs to be carved out. And sometimes God allows you to go to those remote places where there's no competition because he has some cutting to do in your life. You know what I'm talking about? What does God have to cut out of your life right now? What does he have to do? In fact, this week, I want to encourage you, cut something out of your life that you know was not pleasing to God. Can you do that this week? Pick that one thing that you said, you know what, this has never been good for me. It's not good for my soul. It's draining. It's discouraging. It's disappointing. It's affecting God's blessing on my life. This week, I'm going to cut it out of my life. That's bold, guys. Can you do that this week? I'm talking to every sinner and saint. Do that. And then look what happens. Verse 6 is this. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? There's a drought. There's a famine. There's no rain. There's no food. Nothing is growing. The ravens bring bread and meat for breakfast and dinner. And every vegetarian say amen to that. <laughs> the Hebrew word for bread here, let me just tell you this. This is really, it, it's more general than what you might think. It's not just bread. It could have included berries, fruit, nuts, eggs. Isn't that good? That's a good breakfast every morning. God just knows how to get all this. Incidentally, have you ever thought, where in the world did these ravens get all this food? 
Where did they go and how far did they fly to bring meat and bread to Elijah? Look how God is taking care of Elijah. Incidentally, ravens are birds that have a reputation for neglecting their young. Did you know that? When I first moved here to Colorado, I saw these ravens, these big old blackbirds, and I thought, good night, these are huge. I don't remember seeing them that big when I came from South Texas. And I just remember looking at these big black birds, and they're everywhere. And, and, and you know what, what else about these birds? They're considered dirty birds. God used a dirty bird to provide for Elijah. And they don't even take care of their own young. And God is using these birds to provide for Elijah. Do you hear where I'm going? God is God and he can use anything he wants. He's the provider. He's your provider. He wants you to trust him. And there are some dirty birds in this world. T.D. Jake said this, Ravens are technically dirty birds. They have everything filthy in their mouths, yet God sent ravens to feed Elijah. Sometimes God doesn't bless you only through church folk. So I thank him for all the dirty birds he used to bless me. (laughs) Do you have any dirty birds in your life that don't want to have anything to do with church or God, but God uses those dirty birds to bless you? You know what I'm talking about? Reminds me of this guy at a restaurant, and I used to go there a lot. I'm not going to tell you which restaurant, but I used to go there a lot, and it was the guy who used to work there. He was the manager, and he didn't want to have anything to do with church, and he would make fun of me being a pastor. He would make fun of people who go to church. He would literally just, that's where our relationship was. He was really open. I said, why don't you come visit us at Thorn Creek? He says, ah, no, I don't have anything to do with that, and he loved fishing. He didn't like any of this, but you know what? You know how many times he said, Reuben, don't worry about your meal. I'll take care of it. He was a dirty bird that God used in my life. And I thank God for those dirty birds. We have another dirty bird. I I want to be careful what I say because we'll call it a dirty bird. I remember when we were first moving into our old building over there way back when on Washington Street. And I remember that dirty bird. She didn't believe Jesus Christ was Lord, Son of God. She didn't go to any Christian church at all, but God used her, glory to God, to plant Thorn Creek Church. See, God can use anyone he wants to. God can use that boss that you think is going to hell. God can use him or her. God can use that situation, that whatever it is, that family member. God can use anything and anyone that he wants to. And then you see this. Oh, let me just say this. This is so important. Stop telling God. Stop telling God what he can't do. Stop telling God what he can't do. Stop telling God he can't change your circumstances. Stop stop telling God he can't change your life. Stop telling God that he can't answer that prayer. Stop telling God, God, you'll never change him or never change her. Stop telling God he can't heal him or he can't heal her. Stop telling God he can't do whatever in a pandemic. Stop telling God that. God can do anything he wants to. Nobody expected. I'm sure Elijah never thought, you know what? It's all good. This famine's going to happen, but there's going to be a bunch of birds that are going to be taking care of me. Who thinks like that? God thinks like that. Scripture says God commanded the birds to feed him. How about them apples? God commanded the birds to feed Elijah. And God picked the most unfaithful bird there is because they can't even take care of their young. 
And God commanded them. And, and, and over the whole pandemic, it was about three and a half years, God was providing for Elijah through these birds. And verse six says this, and he drank from the brook. He just lapped it up. And now we, we don't do that kind of stuff because we can get sick or whatever it is. But God provided water from the brook. It just, it's like he had everything he needed. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Beautiful New Testament verse about the provision of God. And my God will meet all your needs. Let's just read this out loud because this is so important. If you're at home, would you just read it out loud with me right now? Say, and my God will meet all your needs. Come on. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And I look at that word, that whole thing, and, and, and there's so much in there. But the thing that, the word that jumps out to me is according. It's not he will meet all your needs according to what you think. It's according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know, who sits on the throne in the book of Revelation. It's according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know, there are some people who know God provides. You might be in the house and you might be one of those people or maybe you're online watching right now. You have memories of being on food stamps. Anybody here, you know what I'm talking about? You have memories of not having enough. You have memories of being unemployed. You have memories of the church bringing you food. You have memories of strangers buying you food or whatever it is. Some people know God provides. And don't ever forget that. Hold on to that. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have come back from very humble situations and you know, you know, everything in your house has come from the hand of God. In my house, every time we eat, so many times I turn around and I tell my family, everybody knows where this came from, right? No, it didn't come from King Supers. It didn't come from that can. It didn't come from that bag. It didn't come from the oven. It came from the hand of God. God is the one who's provided. Reminds me of that woman when I, I ran into her. I said this story a few years ago. She was in Uray, Colorado, and we were taking a little, uh, little vacation there. And, and we were eating at this restaurant, and, and she and her husband were the owners of it. And, and Grace and I were, were talking to her about Thorn Creek Church and the, the program we have called Food for Hope that we started. And we were talking about our, the whole thing with her. And one of the schools that we feed is McElwain. And we're just sharing the story with her. And then we find out she attended McElwain Elementary School when she was a kid. And you know what she did? She started crying in front of us and she went into the cash register and got a whole bunch of cash and said, here, put it to Food for Hope. See, she didn't forget where she came from. She's keenly aware that God is the one who has provided. She hadn't forgotten. She hadn't forgotten. I want you to hear this. God was providing for Elijah for a future mission. And God is preparing you for a future battle. Elijah was about to encounter a battle of battle. This is a UFC match of UFCs. This battle right here involved 850 false prophets on Mount Carmel. At this time, Elijah did not know this was about to happen in the future. He's getting fed by ravens and drinking from a brook. He had no idea that that was going to happen in the future. God's preparing Elijah for a future battle. And many times God prepares you and me for a future battle that we don't know anything about. And he's teaching you faithfulness right now. He's teaching you how to walk with him, how to run with him in times of uncertainty, in the midst of a pandemic, whatever it is, God is preparing you for a future battle. 
You're going to need new strength that you don't realize you're going to need. You're going to need a greater commitment that you don't realize you're going to need. You're going to need more faith, and you may not realize that right now, but on the other side, it'll all make sense. God is preparing you for a future battle. Elijah had no idea that 850 prophets, he'd be going up against them and they'd be wetting all this kind of wood. He had no idea that Jezebel would send him this horrible email and it would push him to the edge. He had no idea that all of these things would happen and he would be even questioning whether or not God has any other righteous people on the planet. But God was preparing him. At this time, in the moment, in the present, Elijah does not realize how much is at stake. Oh, I gotta say that. Sometimes we can go through life and we're in the present and we don't realize how much is at stake. That three-minute decision, that 30-second decision, that one-night decision, you don't realize how much is at stake. It's much and God sees everything. He's the God who provides. He's the God who sees into the future. And the way you live life now matters because God is, is, is watching you. And, and your life right now is going to matter into the future. But God will build you up today so that you're prepared for tomorrow. He'll do that. God will speak to you today so you don't doubt his voice in the future. And we have these moments where God gives us, let's say, the assurance of his presence. And the reason why you have the assurance of his presence right now is because he doesn't want you to doubt in the future if he is with you. He doesn't want you to doubt whether or not he's going to take care of you in the future. But sometimes God will provide you with a promise today. And you're like, this is a great promise. But you're going to need that promise in the future. Because in the future, you're going to be tempted to walk away from your faith. You're going to be tempted to throw in everything. You're going to be tempted to walk away. But you're going to hold on to that promise. So many times today, God is preparing you right now for something that will happen in the future. You see it happen over and over. Go back to the story. Verse 7 says this, But after a while, but after a while, the brook dried up. But there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now, again, Elijah is living in this time of judgment. He is the righteous one. And he's experiencing the consequences of Israel. He's experiencing the consequences of Ahab's sin. And it's even affecting him. And scripture says the brook dried up. Is it possible for the provision of God to dry up? Is it possible? Sometimes, sometimes it is. You have a job for a season. And you enjoy that job. You enjoy the money. You enjoy the benefits. And what happens? One day the job is gone. You have a savings and then you enjoy all the benefits of having that cushion, but one day the savings is gone. Or you have someone who helps you, and they bless you, and they're there, and then one day they just stop blessing, and they just stop helping you. You have someone in your life that just feeds you, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden they're gone one day, and sometimes you think, okay, the brook dried up. What happened? Sometimes God will allow a brook to dry up because his plan has evolved. His plan has evolved. His plan has evolved. Here's the problem. We can become so comfortable at the Karis Brook. We're like, this is awesome. 
We can become so comfortable, and God says, you know what? You've become too comfortable in this brook. You need to, you need to trust me. I need, you, I need you to force you out of your comfort zone. You need to move on. You've been spending too much time on that video game. <laughs> You've been spending too much time looking at YouTube. You've been spending too much time in that way of thinking. I need to rattle you a little bit. I need to let the brook dry up. Glory to God. I was telling someone recently as a pastor, and I, this is gonna, might sound strange to some of you, but I am enjoying being a pastor right now in this time of this pandemic. You know why? Because everyone is keenly aware of life and death. And I say, glory to God. Newsflash, life and death has always been a reality. <laughs> Every day has always been a blessing. Always. But sometimes we need to go through something difficult to remind us that we're not invincible, to remind us that we have a provider, that we have a God who is over us and watching us. Here's the danger. We can worship the blessing more than the blesser. You can worship the Kareth brook more, the ravens more, and forget the one who is providing. You can be fearful of losing your job and forgetting who is your provider. You can be fearful of losing your life and forget who is the life giver. You can be fearful of getting sick and forget who is Lord of your body and Lord of everything. Do you think Elijah was angry because the brook dried up? If you were in his shoes, would you be angry just a little bit? I thought about it and I would say, yeah, I would be upset. And my first thought would be, why me, God? Why me? The brook shouldn't dry up for me. I've been faithful. Why me, God? Let me say this. Just because something is dried up doesn't mean you have to dry up with it. Just because something is dried up doesn't mean you have to dry up with it. Doesn't mean your faith has to dry up. Doesn't mean your hope has to dry up. Just doesn't mean your faithfulness dries up, but your love dries up. Doesn't mean you get to grow cold. Just because it dries up doesn't mean you have to dry up with it. See, everybody has a limit, a breaking point. What's your breaking point? If the brook dried up, would that be it? Enough? That's it? Three and a half years, I'm done. What's your, what's your breaking point? Just because one brook dries up, it doesn't mean God is no longer faithful and God will no longer provide. Here's the deal. God will provide another way. God used a bird, a dirty bird, <laughs> and he used a brook. And now God's gonna do something else that's unconventional. It involves an old lady. Verse 8 says this, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a, a what church? A widow there to feed you. Incidentally, Zarephath is about 80 to 90 miles from Kareth. 80 to 90 miles. Widows are typically poor people. Even during these days. Do you realize for Elijah how unconventional this sounds? God tells him, I'm going to feed you with a bunch of dirty birds. Now he's telling him, I have an old widow that's going to take care of you. This, this old woman is going to be with you. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, he said, Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine devastated the land. This is the second time God is using an unusual source to provide for Elijah. God still does this. God still does this. Elijah learned to be obedient during the famine. God used a dirty bird and an old lady to provide for Elijah. Think about it this way. Widows are known to be very poor. Elijah has been living for three and a half years eating meat and eggs and berries and nuts and having this life by a, by a beautiful river for three and a half years. And the river dries up, the carrot brook dries up. And now God says, I want you to go to an old lady. And she is known, widows are known for not having anything. Not having anything. In fact, those three and a half years, it's, you, can, you can make an argument that, that Elijah was better off than the old widow. And yet God says, go to the poor of the poor. <laughs> go down that street. Go down 84th Street. Go to 88th Street. Whatever it is. Go to the poor of the poor. And there I will provide for you. You see how God is so creative and so big. He can do anything he wants with whoever he wants. He's so beautiful. God can use anything, any person, and any animal to accomplish his will. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. I'm thinking, she might be thinking, This is a demanding guy. I'm an old widow. Who asked me for anything? But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house, in the house. And I, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. Wow. It reminds me, sometimes God speaks to us and asks us to be obedient when we have just a little bit of flour left in the jar and just a little bit of oil at the bottom. He tests us this, this widow was exercising faith. And God visits her then. And God asks her to be obedient when she's at the bottom of the bottom. In fact, she's so much at the bottom. She says this, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Sometimes God lets us get to that place. It's right at that edge where we're like, okay, this is my breaking point. This is my limit. This is it. If I take one more step, I'm going to die. And I don't have anything else. And I have no more resources. I have nothing left in my pockets. And I'm just, I'm at the end. I'm at my wit's end. And God says, I want you to be obedient there. I want you to be obedient there. This is where that widow is at. And this crazy man named Elijah shows up and says, hey, can you give me something to eat? Can you give me something to eat? The widow recognizes Elijah, incidentally, as an Israelite. That's pretty interesting. She's a Gentile woman in Phoenicia who believed in the Lord, and she, she appeals to his God. Verse 13 says, But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Did you hear Elijah? He says, Don't be afraid. 
take a little for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Elijah calms her down. He just recognizes where she's at. He's respecting her age. He's respecting her circumstances. He sees her fears. Do you hear this? He sees her fears. Oh, you've got to hear this. You don't have to be afraid during a pandemic. You can walk by faith. My nephew's visiting us from Arizona. He lives in Tucson. And, and he shared a story with us a couple of nights. And, and he, he worked at a grocery store in, in Tucson. And, and he said um, during this pandemic when it was starting, you know, people were going for toilet paper and water and, and, and beans, which is really weird. Um, beans is what they wanted. <laughs> but one of the things, one guy, he said, uh, he said they were running out and there were just a few. And one guy grabbed, the true story, grabbed the toilet paper and held it up. He was a tall guy, held it up in front of everyone. And he was like $75, $100 right here. And the people saw him and were furious. They were furious. And I, I, I thought, what is in the heart of someone? At what point, at what point of desperation do we get? You don't have to be afraid during this pandemic. And incidentally, you take a chapter out of Elijah. It pleases God when you love on someone where they're at. The widow is fearful. If I cook this, there won't be anything for me. The widow is fearful. And, and scripture says that Elijah said, don't be afraid. It pleases God when you help someone out. See, we all have breaking points. All of us, I have a breaking point. And your breaking point might be different from someone else's breaking point, but you have a breaking point. You have a place that you will break. You do. All of us do. So it pleases God when you love on someone who might have a lower breaking point than you. It pleases God. It pleases God when you love on someone who's trying to walk by faith or whatever it is. It pleases God when you extend love. Let me say it this way. If you are a person who has a bunch of faith, don't throw rocks at someone because they have little faith. You might think you're showing off your faith when all people see is your arrogance. You can hurt the name while proving your point. You can hurt the name while proving your point. See, you don't know what fears they live with. You don't know what experiences they've been through. We all have breaking points. Verse 14 says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, There will, be, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always, say always with me, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers. Just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Nothing was delivered to her doorstep. She didn't have any delivery service bring her any food. There was a never-ending supply of oil and flour. 
And incidentally, this is another example of how God is proving that he is God and nobody can provide like him. Baal was the common God. And Baal worshipers believed he was a fertility God giving rain for crops to grow. But Baal was not, overcome, was not able to overcome the drought to make wheat and olive trees grow. But God was able to provide wheat and olive oil in a home because he's God. There's nobody else like him. Now here's what blew me away in this whole thing. is James chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Look in your Bible, and it might say it a little bit different. It might say Elijah was human, just like you and me. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was human, just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And the part that hung up, that I got hung up on was this idea of he was a man, or he was human, just like you and me. Think about that a little bit. He struggled with fears. He had good days. He had bad days. He had concerns, maybe even worries that he had to work through. He had a temperament. He was moody, whatever it is. He, he was just like you and me. Elijah was just like you and me. And I'm just, you know, for me, my, my, my head's just like, I mean, wow. Well, I mean, what does this mean? I mean, is it possible that God wants to do the miraculous through you? Is it possible that God wants to do something great and he has something great for you, but it's not happening because of your lack of faith or trust or dependence? Is it possible that God wants to do greater things in your life? I believe so. And this, this passage, it says he was human, just like you and me. It, it, it makes me think everything that you read about that he went through. I, I, I think, God, what, what can I do? What, what's holding me back? What is it, God, that you need to cut out of my life that I've been living with that's preventing me from being a blessing? What is it that you need to cut out of my life that I'm holding on to because I don't want you to cut it out of my life? What is it, God, that you want to do inside of me? You want to send some ravens to come and feed me? What is it, God, that you want to do? That I have, how have I limited you, God? How have I said, God, you can't do that? Lord, help me. Maybe you're here, and maybe you're watching online, and maybe God's stirring your heart. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is the provider. Maybe you need to be reminded that God will watch over you and care for you. Maybe you need to be reminded that God has great things. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is Lord even in a pandemic or health. It doesn't matter. He's still God and his purpose continues. Maybe your brook is dried up and maybe, maybe you're just concerned and worried, but you don't have to worry because God's going to provide another brook. It's okay. He wants you to lean on him and trust him. I want to give you an opportunity to turn to God. If there's something that's been happening inside of your heart while you've been watching on video or watching or here in person, I want you to know if there's something that's stirring inside of you, that's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. That's the Holy Spirit telling you there's more. Let's humble ourselves and let's give God permission to do whatever he wants. Would you pray with me? God, we humble ourselves and we thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. 
And right now, God, we just turn to you with all of our hearts. If you're far from God, if you're far from God and you want to know Jesus Christ, you can say this prayer right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn away from them right now. I repent of them. I want a new life. I want to be a follower of yours, Jesus. I want to be a Christian. Or maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but maybe, maybe you could identify with the widow a little bit. Maybe you could identify with the brook drying up a little bit. And maybe you need to say this, God, I just, I just want to say you're my provider. I want to say you're my provider, God. May I always, always, always be faithful to you, whether the brook is full or whether the brook is dried up, whether there's a famine or whether there's plenty. May I be faithful to you, God. God, I want to pray for those who need to give right now, Lord. May we honor you with our life, with our serving, our worship, and even our money, because you're the provider of it all. So would you bless those right now, God, who are choosing to honor you with their tithes and their offerings, God, even in the famine. Even in the famine. Even in the drought. Just like that old lady that she blessed. May you find us faithful, God. Thank you for your grace and love, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.